0: What? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. Not bad. How's things? Same old stuff. <laughs> trying to recover from the day. What's cooking down there?
1: Not too much. I don't know if you saw my post. I got a got a comic in the mail today. Action Comics 297.
0: I did see that. That's one yeah. of the ones I need. Oh, is it? So I'll have to come by next time and swipe it.
1: <laughs> it uh it presents very well for uh you know for its age and everything. I was a little disappointed that the listing and you could see it in the picture that uh there was a tear at the second staple down there, so the listing said, you know, that it was detached at the bottom staple. Well it's it's actually detached all around. It's a uh, you know the cover's completely off, but I mean it presents so well you you don't notice it. And I'm not terribly hung up on condition. I would like for the cover to not be detached. I was a little annoyed finding that out, but otherwise it's in really beautiful shape for something that I'm pretty sure is older than I am. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I'm looking at a listing here on Mike's Amazing World for Action 300, which a couple issues later that was 63. So yeah, this book's got five years on me. So, jeez. Yeah. And it's holding up better than I am. (laughs) And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast.
0: Look, up in the sky.
1: The plane. It's back to the bin. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, David A. Pasquarella, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun
0: and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now.
1: Back. Back to the Bins. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. My name is Scott H. Gardner and I am joined for this episode by my good buddy David A. Pascarella. How's it going? I'm doing great. I am excited for this. A um, little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Uh, Dave and I planned this like ages ago, uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, I don't know, just through <laughs> life stuff, it just, it's taken this long to actually sit down and, and get this recorded. But uh, I think we've both been itching to talk about this for for some time. So... Uh, this was kind of Dave's baby, came up with the idea of, uh, why don't we look at uh, the deaths of Superman? And I thought, ooh, that's an interesting idea. And I think there there have been several different ones over the years in the comics, but we kind of narrowed ourselves down to uh, what we feel are like the two best ones. And it, it basically comes down to, A Pre-crisis story and a post-crisis Story and so this will be fun uh, Because they're both Really interesting stories in their own Right and everything but I think it'll also be fun As as kind of a compare and contrast between The two uh, different Versions of Superman the two different eras uh, You know the two different uh, uh, Deaths Of Superman essentially so that's What we're looking at today
0: Yeah I think this will be a lot of fun
1: Yeah definitely looking forward to this one so for the first story that we're going to be looking at the uh the pre-crisis story then we're going uh, way back on this one this one's superman number 149 from uh well the cover date on it's november 61 uh, according to mike's amazing world was actually on the stands uh, september 14th 1961 and uh it's all yours dave take it away Well, as Scott said, we're going to turn
0: back the time
1: machine and
0: drop in on 1961, over 60 years ago. Makes you feel old, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. It does. Well, I mean, the comic predates me, but not by a hell of a lot. So, yes, it does make me feel old. And I'll just
0: say as a little prelude, I was familiar with this story because... Back in the day when we had the Warner Brothers store, Mm -hmm. I bought the trade paperback from them of the greatest Superman stories ever told.
1: Yes, and I I completely agree with that statement as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. that it was included in there because I I think it is one of the greats. I really do kind of kind of burying the lead there. But no, I, I totally do agree with that. Kind of jumping ahead to notes a little bit, but I'll just throw it out there. My familiarity with this actually comes from I was thinking about this uh, earlier today when I was kind of putting my notes together and everything, and I'm like, I just recently acquired this physical issue, Superman number one forty nine. I didn't (sighs) own it until just very. As a matter of fact, I could probably tell you it's probably right here in the in the CLZ app exactly when I I acquired it. But it was very recently that I actually finally got a physical copy of this so i was like well if i didn't own it until just recently then then how the hell am i familiar with this story because i i am familiar with this one from my childhood and was trying to remember how did i ever encounter it it turns out and uh it's it's been reprinted a good number of times but it was reprinted In uh, Superman number 193 From Mm -hmm. 1967 Now I actually I don't know where in the hell I would have Acquired it but I actually had a copy Of that or I still have it I think I've actually upgraded to a nicer Copy over the years if I remember right because I think I wore this the original copy I had Out I think the cover came off it But uh, that one had a great cover On it where it's uh, it's Superman and he's Standing in front of this weird Like board or something and he's He's spelled out the word super Vertically And each one of the letters for the word super spells out something to where there's a story related to it. Well, the very first story for S is the death of Superman story. Um, that's reprinted from this and that, so that's where I was familiar with this. And There were other stories in there like Krypton's first Superman and, you know, different stories like that. But that was the one I always remembered and really stuck with me because I I love the, the cover image of the mourners passing by uh, Superman's coffin and all. I thought that was really cool. It's, it's still a really striking cover.
0: It's iconic. Yeah. Well, do we want to jump into this? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to make you feel even older now as we start reading this off. <laughs> this book was actually written by Jerry Siegel. Mm-hmm. Penciled by Kurt Swan. And inked by George Klein. The Death of Superman, a three part imaginary story. What happens when Superman dies? Part one Lex Luthor Hero. And before they get into the story, they just give you an opening scene with Superman carrying Lex Luthor aloft in a ticker tape parade down Metropolis' Canyon of Heroes, while the staff of the Daily Planet cheer them on. As our story opens, on an imaginary day that may or may not ever happen, Prisoner Lex Luthor is strolling through the prison yard, past other convicts who are working on the rock pile at Metropolis Prison. He notices a glowing rock in the pile, that immediately intrigues him. Luther suddenly turns and strikes a nearby guard and is immediately punished with hard labor on the rock pile, which is exactly where he wants to be. Luther obtains a sample of the glowing rock, which he determines is a space rock called Element Z. Luther convinces the warden that if he is given 24 hours use of the prison hospital, he will be able to use element Z to develop a cure for cancer. At the end of the 24 hour period, Luther has created a serum that permanently cures all forms of cancer, no matter how far progressed it is. To quote the Daily Planet, Luther goes from heel to hero overnight Superman is heartened by Luthor's apparent reformation and goes into space to obtain a supply of element Z, sufficient to cure every cancer sufferer on earth. He then appears before the parole board to offer his endorsement of Luthor's parole. Luthor has conquered cancer. Who can say what other blessings his marvelous intellect can perform for mankind? The board is persuaded by Superman's remarks and Luther is granted parole. Superman and Luther form a friendship. Luther reveals to Superman his secret lair and asks Superman to destroy his evil museum of crime's greatest villains. Days later, at his public lab, Luther announces his next goal is to cure heart disease. Following the press conference, Luthor is confronted by two Underworld figures. They demand that Luthor kill Superman, or they will kill Luthor. End Part 1. Part 2. Luthor's Super Bodyguard. Luthor refuses to cooperate with the thugs, and is saved from a hail of gunfire by Superman. Superman gives Luthor a watch, like Jimmy Olsen's. So Lex can signal Superman when needed. After numerous attempts on Lex's life, Superman and his secret weapon, the undisclosed yet Supergirl, decide a satellite lab in orbit above the Earth is the best way to keep Lex safe. Lex is pleased and grateful to his protector. Soon after, Superman is summoned to the satellite by a distress signal from Lex. Upon entry into the satellite, Superman is struck down by a kryptonite ray. Luthor has succeeded in manipulating everyone into believing that he is reformed, just so he could kill Superman. Luthor has further kidnapped Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, and Perry White, to witness his diabolical plot unfold. Luthor gloats as he continues to increase the intensity of the kryptonite beam, finally killing Superman. Luthor confirms his success and then returns the staff of the Daily Planet to Earth, along with Superman's corpse. Luthor commandeers the airwaves and announces his triumph to the world. Part 3, The Death of Superman The world and the universe with it go into mourning. Heroes from the present and the future, world and galactic leaders, people from all walks of life, come to pay their final respects to Superman. In the bottled city of Kandor, flags are lowered. While this occurs, Luthor and his Underworld associates celebrate in a room filled with newly created trophies of the death of Superman, Luthor is toasted and celebrated as the hero of the Underworld. Suddenly, the revelers are shocked and astonished as Superman bursts through the wall. It is quickly revealed to be Supergirl in disguise. She takes Luthor into custody and brings him before a tribunal in Kandor to stand trial for the murder of Superman. The trial's testimony is broadcast around the world. When the time comes for the defense, Luthor, ever scheming, confesses to the crime and offers the Kandorians a process to enlarge the city of Kandor to normal in exchange for his freedom. Unfortunately for Luthor, Kandorians do not make deals with murderers, and Luthor is sentenced to eternity, apparently without the possibility of parole, in the Phantom Zone. Superman is interred in a monument fit for his heroic legacy, a massive statue of him shielding the world, while Supergirl and Crypto take up the fallen hero's mantle. And that is the original Death of Superman. What did you think of it, Scott?
1: I love this story. I loved it when I was a kid. I still love it now. I think it holds up incredibly well. It's you know, it's just it it has everything. You know, it, it has you know thrills, it has heart it it goes from very charming and very heartwarming you know with luther reforming and everything and then you know of course the the evil twist and the death of superman and and then it has you know simultaneously you know a heartbreaking ending but also an inspirational ending, you know, with Supergirl taking up the mantle, basically Supergirl and, and Crypto together, you know, kind of taking up the, the mantle of Superman and realizing that, um, you know, she's got big, big shoes to fill or a big cape to fill, you know, but she's determined to do her best type of thing. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's just there's there's just something about this particular one. There's a there's a real charm to it. I think part of the reason I always really liked this story a lot is that, you know, again for me, you know, Superman the movie always informs so much of my love of Superman, and so I I like when Superman's kind of like how he is in that movie, and one of the things I really like in that movie is that I like his naivete, you know? He's, He's not stupid, he's not gullible, but he can be a little naive and and more than anything he's you know he wants to see the best in people and i think that's part of his upbringing i i think it's just part of his personality is that you know he he seeks the good in people and and so that ultimately is his downfall in this story is that he believes luthor um he has a very trusting nature and when when Luthor says that he's reformed and he wants to go straight and he wants to make amends for for everything. Superman believes him, you know, to his ultimate peril, and and that's both really charming because that's who Superman is, but it's also heartbreaking because it all ultimately does him in. And so there, it, it's that catch, you know, it's it's that hook mm-hmm. for me. And so, uh, so that's why the story really works on that level. I mean, it's, you know, it's very simple, but it's also got kind of a, a, a deep, you know, a deeper thing to it as well on a on a psychological level, I think, that, uh I don't know, it just really appeals. But, yeah, I, I dig this one a lot. Got just a few notes on this one. In the novel Miracle Monday by Elliot S. Megan, you ever read that book? I have. The, that, the second?
0: Is it That's the second novel, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right I, I love that book. Superman meets uh, a time traveler from the 29th century named Kristen Wells. Now she's the one that would eventually briefly become Superwoman pre-Crisis. Um, but he meets her in that book, and uh, at the end of the of the story, basically after the, everything's been resolved, uh, Superman is granted the answer to one question about his future. He, she allows him, you know, one question. And he asks her if he and Luther will ever be friends again. And I've always thought that this is a wonderful insight into his psyche and, and the burdens on his soul. That he doesn't necessarily look at Luther as an enemy, but uh, but alternately rather like a, as a tra- tragic loss of a brilliant intellect that could have been such a positive force for the betterment of mankind and then also, and I'm not sure how this fits with, with continuity at this time, but also as a as a friend who's lost through a falling out, he continues to regret. And why I say that that, that might be retroactive is because I, I find it so odd that the story that retroactively established Superman and Lex Luthor as former childhood friends turned mortal enemies – was published just a few months prior to this in Adventure Comics number 271, a story called How Luther Met Superboy. It was written by the same guy, Jerry Siegel. Hmm. Yet there's no mention of the two being former friends in this story, nor is there any sort of reconciliation. So if you look at part one, Page six, panel three, they're shaking hands, Luther and Superman. And and Luther is saying, Superman, despite the terrible things I've done to you, you went to bat for me for the parole board. I don't know how to thank you. I and Superman says, now that you've changed, let's be friends. I think he should be saying, let's be friends again. Yeah, definitely. But But he doesn't. So this also this kind of reads like. They've just been enemies. They've never been friends, but now they're forming a friendship. And like I say, I just find that really weird because, you know, just shortly before this, it would have been established by, by the exact same writer that no, they're, they were childhood friends and had a falling out and that's how they became enemies. So that it's just really strange in, in that aspect. But, you know, again, even if it is a little bit of retconning, um, you know, I, I just I, I like the the deeper things going on uh, with with Superman with this. Let's see a couple other notes. Uh, in part two, page nine of part two. Let's flip into it here real quick. Oh yes, it's it's the very last panel of part two. Luther, you know, he's celebrating. You know, Superman's dead and everything. And it shows him; he's doing a great, like Superman-type pose, where he's, uh, you know, he's hands on his hips, and he's standing there. And it's it's really beautifully colored; it's almost like a sunset or something in the background. And and Luther's just thinking to himself: Only Superman stood between me and my great gr- uh, great goal to rule this planet. Soon I'll be king of Earth, and I'm thinking, ah, uh, how. <laughs>
0: Well, he figured since he knocked off Superman, everyone else is just going to, you know, fall into line
1: now. I, yeah, I, I guess everybody just falls in step now. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. Jumping all the way to the end of the story. Um, OK, this is one of those things that continues to, to baffle me. Um, I love the Phantom Zone, but I'm still trying to figure out how, exactly how does the Phantom Zone work? So they're in. The bottle city of Candor. So it says that uh, on page five of the last chapter it says soon in a Candorian courtroom after Supergirl transports Luther and prosecution witnesses into the miniature city via a transfer race. So they're in Candor and mm-hmm. they're they've been miniaturized. So they're inside the bottle. Um are villains sentenced to the Phantom Zone from the Bottle City of Kandor teeny tiny when they arrive in the zone? And conversely, weren't there Phantom Zoners who had been sentenced there on Krypton who were later released into the Bottle City? I'm pretty sure I've read that at least one time somewhere. So how does that work? 'Cause I don't remember any stories where there were teeny tiny phantom zoners, yet they did sentence people to the Phantom Zone from Candor, and like I say, I'm pretty sure at least on one occasion they did it the other way around, too, where they set somebody free from the zone inside Candor. So I'm I'm baffled on how that that whole thing is there like a shrink ray built into the projector or something? I also really still want to know this is an ongoing mystery from my childhood. I want to know what the chains are made of that don't go into the phantom zone when they zap them with the phantom zone ray and they project the the bad guys. The the chains always stay behind and I guess they're made, made of, out
0: of transparent aluminum.
1: Right. <laughs> something. Yeah. Now, while this is bannered as, a, as an imaginary story, and it mentions that several times throughout the story, you know, right at the get-go and then several different times, and then I think even at the conclusion it says something about, you know, don't be too weepy, it's just an imaginary story. Later on, and I forget where it was, I think it was in one of the, uh, one of the reprints, like one of the deluxe editions of Crisis on Infinite Earths. They actually painstakingly went through all of the imaginary stories uh, that DC had ever published pre-crisis and gave them Earth designations. So rather than being imaginary stories, they were actually later retcon to be alternate Earths. And this was Earth 149, uh, I'm presuming because it was issue 149. I was uh, going to say, how
0: do you think they came up with that?
1: Right. <laughs> That uh, I, you know, and I, I find I only mention that because I find that kind of cool because I always thought as a kid, wouldn't it be neat to revisit this world, you know, this this continuity later to see, you know, how's everybody getting along, you know, how's Supergirl doing, and you know that sort of thing, you know, uh, the world without a Superman type of thing. Um, of course, to my knowledge, it never happened, but I still think that's an interesting idea uh, to do something like that.
0: Um, that
1: was a opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, maybe and maybe not, because um, now I don't keep up at all with, with current day DC anymore, but uh, uh, it's my understanding that I, I guess some version of the pre-crisis world has come back or something like they undid crisis or uh, something. So I don't, maybe, I don't I'm know. I'm keeping
0: up with the Superman titles and I don't understand a lot of it.
1: <laughs>
0: That's sad. Cause I'm not buying anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. not getting on for the latest nope. crisis
1: of du jour. No, I I don't blame you at all. Yeah, no, I I, I gave up. I can't. But that's that's a whole other rabbit hole discussion we could fall down that I I just as soon avoid. Just real quick, I wanted to throw out there where uh, this because st- this story has been reprinted a good number of times. So uh, you know, if you've never availed yourself of it, uh, you need to check it out because it, it is a really fantastic story. So uh, it was reprinted first in Superman number one ninety three uh best of superman or excuse me best of dc rather best of dc number one which was the digest size books i have that um i don't think i've ever actually read it i acquired it relatively recently like within the past five or ten years and it just sits on a shelf but uh, i need to dig that out and uh, and read it because i wasn't i didn't realize that it was all superman in there and it's a it's a bunch of classics so I, i need to dig that out and read it Both versions, the hardcover and the trade paperback, are the greatest Superman stories ever told. Something I didn't even know existed until I was looking at this list, DC's greatest imaginary stories trade paperback from 2005. That's something I need to – I want to dig into that and find out what other stories are in there because that sounds kind of fascinating. Uh, Showcase presents Superman volume three trade paperback and Superman, a celebration of 75 years hardcover from 2014. So lots of different places that you can uh, find this uh, this particular gem reprinted. It's all
0: I've got about three of them. (laughs) I enjoyed the story from the beginning. And you know what? Superman is quite naive. But he's not the only one that's naive. Right. But before I go into that, let me just say, but I understand the naivety. I kind of want to be in that position, too. You know, if you look at, you know, what a genius Luthor is, you kind of would root for him to see the light and come over to the side of angels. You know what I mean? Sort of like the whole Darth Vader thing at the end of Return of the Jedi. That's what you want. And, and, you know, I can understand the having a falling out with a friend who you can't bury the hatchet. You root for that. Right. However, I'm just looking through the book here. Um, I love when Luthor goes into the warden's office to try and convince him to give him the laboratory. First of all, the the warden's got to be a dullard to go along with this. <laughs> But I love how he has a big picture on his wall. A full, it looks like a portrait of Superman that's (laughs) autographed to him hanging in his office. Fantastic stuff. (laughs) Let's see, moving along. Lex, you know, the parole board uh, paroles him. Lex is met at the prison gate as he's leaving by Luthor. Luthor takes him to the abandoned museum that's his hideout, which I think that that was a thing, right? We saw that more than once, the uh, hideout in the uh, museum. Right. And there's a point after he destroys, you know, his, you know, Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, all the bad guys' statues, they start to reminisce of, you know, Luthor's schemes and how Superman stopped him every time. And all I keep thinking in the back of my mind, how funny would it be if Luthor really just decided to kill him because he couldn't take listening to him anymore? (laughs) Constantly bringing up, Oh, remember that time I beat you and that time I beat you. That's what made him snap. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Just jumping through here. All the assassinations attempt on Luthor where finally we, he gets a watch like Jimmy Olsen. The satellite. Does it not remind you a little bit of Brainiac's ship? Yeah. Except it's yellow instead of green. And that the emergency signals actually a statue of Luthor that gets fired out into the atmosphere.
1: <laughs> Let's
0: see.
1: Uh... I like that the boom when he, when it blows up is actually like rainbow color. The letters are all different colors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's unusual.
0: That is very cool. Um, Let's see. He knocks him off. The funeral scene page. Page one of part three. When you look at the crowd, you know, coming before the casket. You can see Linda Lee, who's Supergirl, and it's Batman has a comforting hand on her shoulder. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, that's like a nice touch. Uh, yeah. It's just fantastic. It would have been nice if the Legion had given him a heads up that this was coming. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we had this day marked aside, nothing planned, so we could make it for the funeral.
1: Are the Legion, does the Legion, oh, yeah, there they are. Okay, I was like, do they come to, that's right. Yeah, they do come to his funeral. I couldn't remember. Yeah, so they must have known this. Mm-hmm. Well, then again, I i mean, I'm sure that there's rules, you know, they're not allowed to change history or whatever.
0: Well, you know, and that, that, Eugenics war in ninety two, a lot of records did get destroyed. <laughs> so maybe they didn't realize this was coming in all fairness. Uh yeah, I, I mean it's it's a great story. I, I love this. I I guess it really wasn't necessary for Supergirl to dress up as Superman for two panels, but hey, whatever makes your
1: boat float i'll I'll take that over, you know one of the other great you know sort of death of Superman stories that I really like is is where he contracts uh, virus X. and that that story ran for several issues in in action comics. I love that story.
0: yeah, but
1: you know after he gets launched out into space and and you know they they presume that he's dead. The Justice League, for whatever reason, and I don't think the story ever explains it adequately, the Justice Leaguers take over as Superman. And so they're basically going out, each one of them dressed in, in a Superman costume and a rubber mask, and performing you know, feats with whatever their given superpower is to keep up the appearance like Superman's still alive. But the whole world knows that he's dead. <laughs> so it just never made any sense to me at all other than it was just one of those things that when the real Superman does return to earth, he's like, Oh, what, what the hell, you know, what, you know, why, why is there a Superman, you know, that sort of thing. It, it was one of those things I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's intended for children and you're just not supposed to think about it. But when you think about it, it's like, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> why are they keeping up appearances for a man that the world already knows is dead. So yeah, it make it makes no sense at all. So I will I will take that little moment with, with Supergirl in this, you know, for just two panels as opposed to, you know, the multiple panels of that other story that just didn't make any sense at all.
0: Superman gets back and goes, did Snap a car come up with this crap and you were <laughs> a woman? <winner already>? Seriously. <laughs> So I didn't realize we had an extradition treaty with Kandor. I'm just curious. <laughs> Come back twenty years later, you find out Supergirl's wanted by the U.S. government.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, it's another one of those things that uh, you know, with, with my fascination with the Phantom Zone, that uh, I really like that he gets eternity in the zone. But I mean, that's just such a chilling concept, you know, that I mean, you, you think of like poor Monell that did a thousand years. I mean, imagine, you know, no, no possibility of parole whatsoever. You're just that's it, you know, eternity in the zone. And there were there were some other zoners that got that, too. Uh, I think Jaxer, if I remember right, I think Jaxer got eternity in the zone. Um, but yeah, there were definitely other ones
0: an eternal living death
1: I like when they when he actually gets sentenced the the judge uh says that he's the greatest villain since Adolf Eichmann <laughs> like okay
0: <laughs> i guess he had been captured recently right
1: right yeah i think so yeah
0: I still think Hitler would have been a little more at the top of the list.
1: Yeah, you know, cuz when I first read that I'm like is that a is that a code for like they don't want to use the name Adolf Hitler but so I looked up Adolf and I was like oh no, he was a real guy, but it's it's strange. It's like why why not go for the one everybody knows? You know, why not go for him? He's the greatest villain since Hitler. Unless maybe they thought people would be offended by that maybe?
0: No, definitely. I I don't think anybody would have been offended by that in 1961
1: right yeah we weren't all a bunch I mean, of we, losers back then. we we had hogan's heroes up <laughs> right yeah that's that's very true that is very true
0: but yeah they maybe they caught him and in... hang on let me just take a quick look here vamp a second
1: you know i think i had looked that up too and now I, I i didn't make a note of it but i think i did look that up when i well when i looked up to see who Adolf i could because the, the name kind of rung a bell with me like are they is that a fake Hitler name or is that no, a real. So I looked it up and it was yeah. real. And I think yeah, I think you're right. I think he had been recently captured.
0: He was uh, kidnapped. The Israelis grabbed him. Uh, yeah, 1960. May yeah. eleventh, 1960. They so grabbed him and put him on trial.
1: So there you go. It's a it's a topical reference. Then speaking of topical references, sort of. Um, I think it's important to point out for for any uh, listeners that that may not be familiar either with this story or just with this era of of Superman that um, Supergirl is able to do this at the end with surprising Luthor and you know basically surprising the group when she busts in and reveals herself and all because at this time in Superman continuity, Supergirl hadn't yet been revealed to the world. She was still, superman's secret weapon he he used her in that capacity for a good number of years she lived in an orphanage and basically nobody but superman knew that she existed and eventually i'm not sure how far how many you know more issues or how many more years possibly it was before her big reveal but eventually she would be revealed and i forget what issue that is like Action 252, or something like that, but I, I can't remember what year that is when that happened. But at this time, it hadn't happened yet.
0: He was That was a real smart move, wasn't it? All right, I'm going to drop you off back at the orphanage. Uh, I'm going to my apartment, you know. Peace out.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he was a swinging bachelor. He couldn't be bothered to have a, a teenage kid hanging around. He couldn't got somebody <laughs> else to take him <laughs> in. Yeah, I know. I. I, whenever I think about it, it's like, oh, you know, Superman for all for all his for all his goodness, he could be kind of a he could, Super be, a, he could be out of dick sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, a nice state facility. You'll get
0: used to it. Don't worry. Right,
1: right. Well, did did he have any hand in setting her up with the Danvers? I can't remember that. I don't. You know, I don't. I've never read that. I, I
0: that's one of my blank spots
1: i am getting seriously close to a complete um a complete collection of her appearance when she so basically starting with uh with adventure 381 i think it is she had a solo run in uh in adventure comics i just picked up 381 i lack maybe like two or three issues Uh, To have basically from there to the end of the series. And I've got most of her other stuff. Um, I lack a few issues of her solo, her first solo title, but I've got all of like Daring Adventures. I've got just about all of like Superman Family. One of these days I'm going to sit down and do like a serious Supergirl read through because i've always liked the character i've always enjoyed her but i've only ever really gotten into her as like when she would pop up in superman or something like that i don't really know a lot about her solo stuff like like her event so there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge of like how her whole dynamic worked like with the danvers and you know eventually like her real parents were revealed to still be alive it's like how does all that jibe together? I, I don't really know. So, yeah, one of these days I want to get around to, to diving into that a little bit better. I, I like her, and I kind of missed her as a character, you know, the the pre, uh, pre-crisis version.
0: I'm with you 100%. I, I, I always liked Supergirl.
1: Yeah. My last thought for this is uh, I, I want to hopefully forevermore put to put, put to rest the whole thing i feel like over the course of my podcasting career i've taken a lot of guff for this this misperceived hate that i have for kurt swan which is totally bullshit i don't hate kurt swan man i love the art in this it just gives me the warm fuzzies i i i think this is fantastic i really enjoy this art it totally fits the mood. It fits the era. I think some of it is truly dynamic. I love all the character models. I especially love the Luther character model in this because this was this was like a halfway point between the Luther he was and the Luther he would become. So this is like just before he adopted like the purple and green, you know, the the you know with the suit and the the belt thing, the belt jets or whatever the hell they wear, all that stuff. <laughs> it was like. Just between the two, so he's still a little chunky, He's still, you know, a little, little beefy, but he looks becoming, like he looks
0: like he's ready to crack a beer open. Right, and he's got that <laughs> S- Superman pose after he killed. Time to crack open a cold one.
1: Right, yeah, he's 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 still a little chunky and all that, but he he's not quite morphed into like Telly Savalas Luthor yet, but he's 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 on his way. But I I just love the art in this, you know, so I, I just like I said, I just feel like I've taken a lot of guff over the years for for this like perceived dislike that I have for Chris. It's, it's not that I dislike the guy at all. It's just I feel like by the 80s, especially by the era where you've got guys where, where he's still at, at work on Superman, yet his contemporaries in the field at that time would have been like. John Byrne and George Perez and Keith Giffen and you know just you know Frank Miller all these up and comers that you know were big superstars. I I feel like he basically just kind of overstayed his welcome if you know what I mean and and I I mean this is dynamic. It's fresh. It's got energy to it. It's it just it looks so good. And you look at that later stuff, you know, that he was doing right there toward the the end of Superman, you know, in the in eighties, and it just lacks everything that this has. I I feel like the guy just, I I don't know if it was, uh, you know, just I don't want to say he lost it. I, I I wonder if it was just a, a simple matter of his heart wasn't in it anymore. You know what I mean? He just been doing it so I don't know. I I, I can only speculate, but. Well, when you're this doing head- any
0: job for 20 years, right, right, and he probably—he's what year did he start? Was it maybe in the 50s?
1: Oh gosh, yeah, I, yeah, I think he'd been on the title for a while by this point. But I, you know, yeah, I can tell you right now. Let's see, according to Mike's amazing world, when did he start? Well, his credits go as far back as 1946, but when did he actually start on Superman? Um, He's got credits in Superman and Superboy as far back as 1949, but I don't think he actually took over doing Superman properly until, well, well, he's got credits here in Action Comics. I know those are Tommy Tomorrow stories. Let's see here. Superman number seventy six. He's got a credit in nineteen fifty two. So it goes back further than I thought. I, I was I always thought of him as more as like late fifties, early sixties, but yeah, yeah. as early as the early fifties, you know, late forties, early fifties. So yeah, a full decade earlier than I thought.
0: You got to figure by the by the eighties, you know, you're working over forty years. He's ready to punch Julie Schwartz in the face.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Take this job and shove it.
1: I mean, the only thing there towards the end that that I feel artistically holds up to this would be something like whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that would be an interesting thing to do a compare and contrast with this as well, because I find this, you know, while it covers basically the same sort of story, you know, the end of Superman I don't have any of the criticisms of this that I have of that story.
0: Well then uh, we should we should add that to the list and cover that as well at a yeah.
1: future future date. Yeah, I, I I think I want something's tickling my brain that we did that a while back but I can't recall. I, I maybe we just kind of discussed it in the broad strokes but yeah that that's one I wouldn't mind taking a look at again at some point but I, I have a, a long list of qualms with that story, whereas I have none of the same qualms with this. For one thing, I, I think this illustrates very well that you know, granted, Superman himself dies an agonizing death, but it's not. I don't. I hate to use the word disgusting, but it's it's not violent. It's not disgusting. There are there are actual elements of the story of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow that actually disgust me because they, I, I feel like there's elements of that, that just don't belong in a Superman story.
0: Doesn't someone get murdered or something and put in a box?
1: Oh, all kinds of, yeah, there's a Praticates lot of murders. A lot and, of yeah. Yeah. I mean, Luther's neck gets snapped, I think, or something like he gets reanimated. I remember that he's dead and gets reanimated, you know, like he's Brainy a reanimated corpse. That's um, let's,
0: let's save it for the next
1: one Yeah, there's there's some brutal stuff in that Whereas this this doesn't have And you know, at the end of this The only one that's dead is Superman Whereas at the end of that story Everybody's dead <laughs> yeah. So there's, right. very, there's very few survivors in that one So yeah, and I'm just not really a fan of that I think this is done much more classy
0: And he's killed in this one by... Uh, sneak uh, you know uh, an underhanded surprise sneak attack is how right well
1: that's you know there's that element to it too is that he he's killed by you know his his number one foe his his main nemesis and that lends a lot to it for my enjoyment of it as well because i i've always felt if there is going to be an ultimate finish to superman that's, that's who we should fall to kind of thing but we can we can talk more about that in the in the next in the next chapter we have any other thoughts for this one
0: I think I've covered everything uh, are we gonna rate this like on the regular
1: yeah let's yeah sure let's go ahead we'll uh we can do that uh, mine's
0: uh, I'm not gonna bury the lead on anything. I love the cover I think it's a great cover it, it, it it shows you what's in the book. It's dr- To me, it's dramatic. Looking at it of the time, this would get me to buy the book. So I would give the cover an A- because I don't like the pink background.
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was just going to say the exact same thing when it was my turn. Yep, exactly. Same grade and everything. I don't like the pink. That's the only thing. It's like Pepto-Bismol or something. Yeah, I right, don't like right, it. Right.
0: Um, the interior, I've always liked Kurt Swan. I, I never buried the lead on that. He's the guy I grew up with. It's serviceable. You can identify everything. I like it. It's an A to me. And the story is above reproach. It's exciting. It holds your attention. It's not a book that, you know, some books. Let's let's be honest. You, some books you read and it's like, ah, how many more pages are left in this?
1: Right. Right.
0: This is not one of those books. To me, the story's an A plus. So the A minus, the A, and the A plus, overall for an A.
1: Yeah, I I can't uh, I can't disagree with any of those. I I completely agree. Um, it would be an A plus in the R. Um, just. Only because I think it's a little heavy-handed in the inks. Um, I really wish that this was uh, Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson. I think if it was, it'd be a straight-up A plus. There's just it's a little heavy-handed in some of the inks, but otherwise, I love the art in this. I especially love page four of the first chapter. That shot of Clark changing to Superman in the alley. God, I love that. That it's just beautiful. I mean, that's iconic superman to me and it's just so well done beautiful shot yeah i really really like the art in this and as you say story is a straight up a plus it's it's one it's one of my favorites i think it is very deserving to be in a collection of the greatest superman stories ever told because it really is it's got a lot of heart it's a really really good story so yeah straight up all right so we have one other book for uh This episode that we want to discuss. I guess it's my turn around here. So I'm just going to give you the startup notes on this. Uh, We are looking for our second book at Superman, the second series volume two superman uh number 75 and if you know your comic book history you know what that one's all about that's the death of superman this one is uh dated january 1993 was actually on sale on the stands according to mike's amazing world of comics november 17th 1992 i remember it very well Cover price on this one varies depending on which version of the book that you bought. So if you bought just the newsstand version, it was a buck twenty-five. If you bought the deluxe one that was in a poly bag and came with all kinds of goodies with it, uh, it was two dollars and fifty cents. The cover also vary depending on uh, which version that you purchase. So if you purchase that deluxe one in the bag, and I didn't know this until I hunted up a uh, scan of it, because I've never opened my bagged version. <laughs> Me neither. So the cover of the bagged version is actually the tombstone, which I still have the poster for this. And it's still in the plastic. I've never even taken it off the board, but it's, uh, it's a gray tombstone with Superman's shield and underneath it just says here lies Earth's greatest hero and then it's got you know, the issue number and the date and the price and all that but that's the cover of the deluxe one the newsstand version is uh, just simply Superman's tattered cape draped on a Hype or something uh, in the ground, uh, like amongst rubble type of thing, and I, I think it says the death is. I'm not looking at it at the moment, so sorry about yeah, that.
0: Yeah, the death. I of
1: think Superman. it says death of Superman on the cover of it. That's the one. I, I bought a couple of those off the stand, but then eventually I did get the uh, the poly bagged one as well uh, at some point, and still still have it in the bag. Never, I've never popped it open. The covers, both versions of the cover, whether the tombstone or the uh, tattered-up cape one, they're both by Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding. Now, Jurgens was the writer-slash-penciler on the issue. Breeding was the inker. Letterer was John Costanza. Colorist was Glenn Whitmore. Editor was Mike Carlin. And the title of the story was just simply Doomsday. Now, full confession, I did not write up a synopsis on this one because I really didn't feel like we needed one because this entire issue is Splash Pages. So there's there's not really a lot of story here. Well, there, there is and there isn't. So we open to a really, really nice shot, really beautifully rendered here, although I do think that the inks are a bit thick, but I, I've always been a fan of Dan Juergens. Anyway beautiful shot of Superman and uh, he's already pretty ratty his cape is in tatters his uniform is just ripped and hanging off him in a lot of places he's battered he's bloody he's bruised and he and Doomsday basically a giant Hulk like monster with sharp claws and bony protrusions all over his body they're kind of locked in Mortal combat with each other and Superman is being pushed to his physical limits And he's saying, it stops here, mister, this insanity ends in Metropolis. So he's trying to draw the line. He's basically, Doomsday has come out of nowhere. He's a giant rampaging monster, and he's just cut this swath of destruction across the United States, and nobody can stop him. He's already pulverized the Justice League. They tried to stop him. They couldn't. And now it's it's up to Superman. He's basically the only thing standing between this thing and the people of Metropolis. And the battle rages across Metropolis as the police try to stop him. And uh, I think some of these guys are, are LexCorp guys or something, if I remember right. The, the flying soldier guys.
0: Either, either that or maybe
1: Cadmus. Or Cadmus, yeah, that's right. You've got news choppers all over the scene, uh, in one of the news choppers you've got Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane for the Daily Planet, and another one I think has uh, Cat Grant, if I remember right. I think. And right. they're uh, trying to both cover this thing, but also stay clear because this battle is just, you know, being waged between these two godlike beings and just cutting a terrible swath across the city, all kinds of massive destruction. At one point, Doomsday slams Superman into the ground and then raises him above his head and flings him into the sky, which crashes into the Daily Planet helicopter. And I love there's a little moment with Superman where he actually laments the fact that there's all these onlookers and and bystanders about that are just getting in his way, including the news choppers or what. So Superman... And again, great shot. Again, these are all full-page splashes. Really nice shot of him flying the Daily Planet copter, which has now been knocked out of commission to safety. So, you know, basically saving Jimmy and uh, Lois and the pilot. And then just the shot of Superman. I mean, he is just whipped. His uniform is all in tatters. He's got blood spots all over him. His cape's a mess. He's basically saying that, you know, he wishes that uh, he could take Lois and Jimmy further away, but he just doesn't have the time. He's got to get back to the battle with Doomsday because there's nobody to stop him but him. Lois is basically begging him to retreat, try to get some help, but he says, you know, there is no help. You know, the Justice League has already fallen. It's up to me, he says. And obscured by smoke and dust, so that. Presumably nobody can see them, although Jimmy's standing right there. Lois and uh, and Superman exchange a kiss, and he tells her that no matter what happens, he'll always love her, always. And then he is pissed, great look of anger on his face as he charges back into the battle and says, but now Doomsday gets his, and even Jimmy says, wow, I don't think I've ever seen the big guy so fired up. And, uh, great shot as he just plows into Doomsday and uh, and right back at the battle again. Now, as you turn from the splash page of Superman plowing into Doomsday, the very next page is an ad saying where were you when Superman died? Spoiler! Like, Dude, I haven't even got to the end of the book yet! <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, yeah, you, you probably knew by this point that it was coming, but still, wow, what shitty ad placement. Anyway, it is a cool ad, though. I love the tombstone. It's really actually very cool. As The batter continues to wage. Another great splash of, of them just plowing through uh, this. It, this looks like it's meant to be like a famous building somewhere, but I'm not sure.
0: Is a building like that in Manhattan. I, I'm blanking on what the name is. That open bottom like
1: that. Yeah. It's just really cool. But basically they're their battle and they're just wailing on each other at this point. Their battle brings them right to the lobby of you know, just outside the lobby of the Daily Planet. So at this point, this is where Superman is drawing the line. Stupidly, Lois Lane. At first, looks like she's intent on going into the battle herself. To tr- she says, "I intend to help him," meaning Superman. And I'm thinking, he's getting his ass kicked. What does she think she's going to do? And I was trying to remember because it's been a while since I read this. I was like, is she going to like hit him with that that one way sign that's laying on the ground or something stupid like that? But no, she doesn't. She, you know, before she can actually do anything, Superman does come back up uh, from being knocked down. And he really lays into Doomsday once again, which gives uh, Lois and Jimmy the opportunity to get out of the way. Although, again, she's still much too close to this battle in this monster that could just break her with absolutely no effort whatsoever.
0: I think he just has to fall on her.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the uh, on page 15... I mean, Superman is unleashing with his heat vision in a way that we've never really seen him blast somebody before. I mean, he's just given full force. And she's right there. I'm thinking, not only is she, you know, far too close to Doomsday, but also, I mean, she could get, like, seriously blistered from this, you know, this heat vision coming out the way that it is. I I love the way it's depicted. It's almost like like it's ionizing the air or something, Uh, you know, just the the vapor around it now. It's just really really well done. Nice perspective shot. Next page is uh, Superman being basically kneed in the jaw by Doomsday and on Doomsday's knees are these like long, sharp, bony protrusions and Superman uh, actually says, so sharp he cut me. So he's really getting hurt. Next page, he's getting uh, doomsday's bone claws, kind of think like Wolverine's claws raked across his face. And he's thinking to himself, you know, Superman is thinking to himself, I'm hurt bad, can barely stay conscious. And he realizes that it, it's now or never. If he's going to stop this thing, he's got to do it now. And he finally manages to hurt the creature, which up till now, you know, he's been trading blows with it, but he hasn't really ever hurt Doomsday, but he grabs a hold of him and kicks the bony protrusion on his knee and snaps it off, which uh, makes the creature roar in pain, and he finally realizes okay, he can be hurt. And they exchange another massive blow, which shatters all the windows in the Daily Planet building, which is a great shot. And Superman charges into the battle again. And he's thinking to himself, this is it. looks like we're both betting everything we've got on this one. And they're both charging at each other for one more blow. And Superman thinks, for Lois, for Jimmy and the entire city, I've got to put this guy away while I still can. And next awesome splash uh, splash page, you've got Superman being caught in the chin by an Uppercut blow from Doomsday as Superman is, uh, you know, he's doing the double fisted, uh, you know, both hands together in a single fist blow to Doomsday's uh, chin. And it looks like he's probably breaking the creature's neck. It's hard to see. But uh, Superman is, is really taking a heavy hit. And both the combatants fall away. The next, pa- uh, next page, again, full page splash, is. The reaction of Jimmy and Lois to what's happening, with the reflection in Jimmy's camera of both Doomsday and Superman falling away from each other uh, from the force of their combined blow. We see the reaction of Martha and Jonathan Kent, who have been watching all of this on TV, because you know the whole thing's been televised. And we see on the TV screen that uh, Lois is holding the fallen Superman. Then we get Bloodwind and Ice of the Justice League have just arrived on the scene. Uh, I think, if I remember properly, I think they were the only ones that were still sort of okay after the big battle with Doomsday uh, in prior issues. I think pretty much the whole rest of the team got taken out. Um, They have come to lend their support, but they haven't made it in time. And... The final four pages are actually two double page splashes and on one we see the monster is down all the destruction all the people looking very sad and Lois is holding Superman in her arms and saying please hang on the paramedics will be here and Superman asks is is doomsday and he just says doomsday is he is he and she says you stopped him you saved us all now relax But when you turn the page, she's wailing and Superman is uh, is laying there lifeless, and it just says uh, that this is the day that a Superman died, and that is Superman number seventy five, volume two. What'd you think of this one, Dave? What's what's your history with this one?
0: Oh my God, I wasn't buying comic books at the time, and I had heard about it, and I bought one of the first, it was like a mini trade. You know, it was a very thin book with that same cover on it and it covered up, you know, the the, the issues leading up to his death. And I think I maybe looked through it, but I didn't actually read it at the time. I was, you know, distracted by, by other things in life. And then a few years later, I started to rebuild my comic book collection. And that's when I finally read the issues. And I, since then, I, and that was about, I would say, 99, 2000. And I've read it multiple times since then. It chokes me up every time I get to the end. Like literally, I'm glad I didn't have to summarize that. That you, you were doing that one, because from the, the uh, particularly the scenes at the very end with the Kents and with Lois chokes me up to this day. When did you read this the first time?
1: I I bought it right off the stands. I was a faithful uh, faithful reader, you know. Ever since uh, Burn came in with uh, you know with the revamp with man of steel number one and and from that point forward i mean i'd always been a big superman fan but up until burn came along i i wasn't a faithful like by every issue every appearance you know i i wasn't doing that level with superman because frankly you know the the movie, as I've said, it, you know, is very important to me. It informed a lot of my love of Superman, and so as a kid, I was often uh, frustrated that comic book Superman wasn't more like movie Superman, and a lot of that had to do with the art. You know, while I loved the older issues. Uh, And, you know, I loved the, the, you know, especially like Wayne Boring, but I I loved the older issues with with Kurt Swan and and Murphy Anderson. When it came to what was on the stands coming out as a kid, I was never really all that thrilled with them because often they would have great covers. You know, you'd have Ross Andrew or uh, Garcia Lopez or, uh, you know, sometimes George Perry, you know, all these popular artists you know really great artists and then you'd open it up and it would just be this lackluster you know interior art and I've always been an art first guy so a lot of times it was just off-putting to me so I I wasn't regularly invested in Superman but then once Byrne came along and I was already a Byrne fan when Byrne came to Superman I I had discovered him with uh, his run on Fantastic Four you know, basically right at the beginning of his fantastic four run followed him all the way through that. So when I found out he's going to be leaving Marvel and and coming and and, you know, taking over Superman, I was thrilled beyond belief. And then, you know, once those issues started coming out and, uh, you know, and, and getting into that, I mean, I mean, that was just that was my era. Of, I, I, I felt like, my prayers had been answered you know it's like finally you know a list talent on superman and doing really great things making superman awesome again you know yeah and and i just loved it and then burn left and you know it it kind of waxed and waned most of it was pretty good i mean a lot of that had to do with the fact that even though burn left um, you know, on the writing side, you had Roger Stern there and Roger Stern is my absolute hands down favorite comic book writer of all time. And it helped that he is good friends with John Byrne, so was able to pick up a lot of the threads that Byrne left hanging and, and kind of go. with. He knew where Byrne was going, or at least he was able to get in touch with him and be like, hey, where were you going with this? So he was able to keep things going artistically it waxed and waned a bit, but you had some good guys in there. You had uh, Carrie Gamil, um, who's very burn like in uh, some other ones. And the, in the stories were, were generally pretty good, but you know, you could tell that, you know, that they were starting to fall into a, I don't want to say a rut, but you know, it was starting to like the bloom was off the rose and, and thing, you know, it was one of those things where, something needed to happen to kind of reinvigorate everybody, you know, as we were now several years past the revamp. So that, that wasn't the thing that were, was keeping people in it anymore. So, um, you know, I, I, from what I've heard and what I've read, you know, the readership had quite, kind of started to dwindle back to like pre revamp numbers again. And it was making people, you know, DC and people nervous. So they wanted to do something to to just tr- try to shake things up and whatever. And in one of the story meetings, uh, you know, as has often was jokingly thrown out, somebody said, hey, why don't we kill him? And they actually did it, you know, with this story. So, you know, I was right there through all of that, you know, as, as a faithful a wait, wait.
0: Well, I, I saw this on one of the documentaries they did. I think it's as if Roger Stern is telling the story. And he's somebody that was like their go-to. Let's kill him. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, go have a cookie in the corner. We'll deal right. with it. Right. <laughs> this we were all so angry.
1: Yeah. Let's kill him. <laughs> yeah. You know. And, and this this time they they decided to do it. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember how I felt. Because that's the thing with this is that they couldn't keep it a secret. So you knew. I mean, nobody nobody went into Superman seventy five not knowing that Superman was going to be dead at the end of it. You know. So you know there was that. But I'm trying to remember how I felt about it at the time. And there Um, were no solicitations
0: either, right?
1: No, there were. I mean, by that point, that 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 era of comics is probably when I was the most tuned in. To like what was going on right then and there because i was just out of the service and when i was in the service you know because i had you know disposable income the most disposable income i probably ever had in my life you know as a single guy in the military you know i was subscribing to like comic buyer's guide i was buying previews you know and and, uh, you know just meticulously you gotta remember this was all pre-internet so if you wanted to be up on stuff you had to read you know you had to get the solicits. So I was into all that, you know, getting the, the comic shop news and, you know, all that. And, and really had my finger on the pulse of like what was going on. So as I recall, there was, there was a lot of buildup and a lot of lead up going into Superman 75. And it's like, you knew, I mean, we, I, I believe we knew for like months that this storyline was, was coming. And, They'd been dropping hints and everything. And, you know, so by the time the the book was actually hitting the stands, people, because you couldn't find it for one thing, Um, because I ended up the the physical issues that I bought, uh, you know, the the newsstand issues. I mean, you know, the newsstand version I ended up finding on uh, on a rack in like some out of the way, like drugstore or something, you know, it's like my local comic shop saved me the polybagged one but only one copy and that was all you know it's like you know you they were scrounging because you know, everybody wanted one so yeah i mean it was all over the news and you know that sort of thing but i remember because i you know i'm a fan of the character but also you know a big fan you know still to this day of of uh, dan jurgens and everything so i remember thrilling to it in the aspect of you know i really like his art I liked how the story looked. I liked elements of the whole thing. And also, you know, holding on to the firm belief that this wasn't going to be the end, that, that something was going to come along after, you know, whether it was, you know, he was going to be revived or, or something was going to happen. I mean, I knew that the book wasn't being canceled, even though he was dying. So that was giving me faith that, OK, you know, hopefully something good's gonna going to come out of all this. But the one thing that you know, the one big negative for me, and and it remains to this day, is I just didn't like the mechanism of his death. I I still kind of chafe against it being just generic monster out of nowhere. I mean, I guess there's a certain appeal to that in a in a weird sort of way. But again, you know, I've always felt if, if Superman's gonna die. There are characters that that deserve that that I don't know I'm, I'm trying to f- figure out how I want to say this but like it should be Luthor or or somebody like that you know that that's got a you know a pre-established thing with the character doomsday had nothing pre I mean he just literally came out of nowhere now somewhere you know in an interview i've I've heard or read or whatever that was the thought process was that that whoever came up with the idea thought that made it cooler that it wasn't lex luther or it wasn't mongol or dark side that it was it was something we'd never seen before that was existing just for the purpose of coming in fighting him and killing him and then going away well I I don't know I I chafe against that plus also I mean they should have known comic book fans better than that by that point because characters like that don't just come in serve a purpose and go away they end up you know if the thing is a big hit which this was an enormous hit then those characters just come back and come back and come back and come back ad, ad nauseum I mean look at Venom you know Right. And so Doomsday became in a lot of ways DC's Venom. And even if he had any initial cool coolness factor when he first came along, I really can't stand him now because he's just been so overused and and you know, so he's he became, you know, he becomes a joke in a lot of ways. I, I the only other really good use of the character in in my personal opinion was I liked their second go around in there was a prestige yes. format mini. You you know what I'm talking about? Doomsday Wars. No, 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 this this was I think that was the third one. But there was there was one where it was super it was called Superman Doomsday pff, shit, can't remember the name of it. But it's where Is it Superman that- had to Fight him on Apocalypse. Yes, I know which one you mean. And that one's it, it's it's not great, but it has a moment that I really liked, where Superman confesses that he's scared to face him again, and I liked that. the The thought of something scaring Superman, I I, I actually kind of enjoyed that because, I mean, I don't want my Superman to be a a puss. But it makes him more human and it makes, you know, because a lot of people's criticism that, that don't particularly care for the character is that he's not relatable or, you know, all these things. Well, that's a very relatable thing for, you know, for any person to have a fear. And he confesses an actual fear of darks of dying again. You know, th- this is the thing that beat me to death. And now I've got to face him again. I don't, I don't want to face him again. But then what makes Superman Superman is that even though he fears him, he does what Superman does and he goes anyway, knowing that he could die again. And I, I liked that, you know, that that was pretty much all I liked of it, because I think that was also the book that actually gave an origin to uh, Doomsday. Right. And I thought that was a big mistake as well, especially if, you know, for one thing. That was kind of the the mystery of the character is that he just came out of nowhere. So if you are going to actually fill in that blank, it better be a damn cool origin. And it was a shit origin that, if I remember properly, tied him to Krypton, which yes. made it really stupid. It didn't make a lot of sense. No, origin. it didn't. It didn't at all. So, yeah. So, I mean... I mean, I know he has this, you know, Doomsday. I mean, I know he has his fans, but I just, I've never really been a fan. I, I, I just, that, that whole element really kind of still rankles me a little bit. But then again, I don't know how you could do a story like this. You, know, you couldn't really do it with Luthor, unless it was Luthor came up with the monster, which actually would have been okay with that. You know, like, like Luthor is. Uh, you know the the thing behind Doomsday. Okay, that that I could live with. I I don't see Luthor, you know, standing toe to toe with Superman and beating him to death. But I mean, you could have gone with Mongol. I guess you could have maybe gone with Dark Side. Although that just seems so cliched in, in retrospect. I don't know if it still was at that time, but it is now. I feel like that's that's been overdone now too. I think you
0: would need a. St- it couldn't be Luthor unless he invented something. Right. Because even if he killed him strictly with kryptonite, there's the rage factor that would follow after that, and he's just a man. Right. Where The folks would get a hold of him, and that would be the end of Luthor.
1: <laughs> right, right. No, you're not going to see the inside of a courtroom, Lex. But you know there's so much you know the issue itself you know just just as a standalone issue eh, i mean in my opinion it, it's okay I, I don't think it's i don't think it's great as a matter of fact i've often wondered over the years if if it was rushed or if there was some something going on behind the scenes because with all apologies to to Dan Jurgens who i i seriously am a big fan of it's not his most solid work it does have a certain rushed quality to it, and some of the some of the perspectives are a little weird. Some of the art is, you know, and the faces are frankly a little bit weird. And I, you know, I know that this is still sorta of early in his career, but it's not that early. I mean, he was he was pretty well established by this point. So I'm not sure where where some of the wonkiness in the art comes from. Uh, I I don't believe it's the inks. So I am not really sure on that. It's it's interesting. It's interesting as, you know, it, it is very much a product of its time and of its era. Um, you know, much like the the you know, the story that we just looked at, you know, the prior story that we looked at. It's really in a lot it's about the bigger uh story, you know, because yes. it is part of a of a of a narrative, you know, an ongoing narrative, but also it's um you know it's basically the end of part well it's it's the end of part 1 of a of basically a three-part saga you know you've got the death of you've got the world without and then you've got the return and put all together it was a pretty epic story you know all together that that you know has its ups and downs and and has its good part you know it's good parts and it's wonky parts and that sort of thing but I don't know. I mean, looking back on the on the whole phenomenon now and everything, in a lot of ways, I, you know, it's the things that always stand out to me more now are not so much what happened or, or how I felt, or there was. Other, I felt like there were a lot of missed opportunities because they did all this and it was really big and it was really epic, but then it it faded pretty quick. And the books kind of fell back into, in a lot of ways, what they'd been before. So they got a, a huge bump in readership that was ultimately pretty temporary, uh, as I recall anyway. And yeah, you're you're right on that. I believe it was a
0: temporary bump.
1: Yeah. And one of the the really, you know, to my mind, one of the really big potential things that just felt like it could have been so much better or so much cooler was there was a story quite a ways after this where a body, you know, after Superman has returned and we've come to believe that it, that it really is Superman returned
0: dead again,
1: dead again. And I liked that story from a story potential standpoint. But I felt like they kind of flubbed it like they they kind of squandered the potential because that's something that they really could have milked and they just could have frankly, they could have done a little bit better job with that. I felt it was interesting for what it was, but just the entire premise of, OK, Superman died. We went through all this stuff with, you know, the return of Superman. Is he or isn't he? And then we've come to, to, to embrace him and, and love him and, and think of him as Superman. What if he's not? What if we've been duped in this guy that, that we thought was Superman returned? It isn't him. I mean, what a hell of a story that would make, you know? And And I just felt like, you know, they had this great hook, but then just... You know, just failed to land that fish. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. How, how did you feel about all that? I've, I've been talking way too long. You, I want, I want to hear your thoughts on this. This, uh, I mean, this one book.
0: I mean, it, you really can't say it's a good story. It's not story. It's right. it's it's a piece of a bigger puzzle. Right. So, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, the art is good. It manages to punch you in the chest, particularly if you're a Superman fan. You know, if you hated Superman, this could be one of the best books you ever read. But it's that fixing it into the larger narrative and the the way they built up to this issue. I think it was the yeah you know I'm trying to remember a thousand years ago <laughs> I think they said the the first book in this death series maybe it was eight panels a page then they had each page had four and then two and right right this was the one with building the tension that this was you know bigger and bigger and then it's for, for me it's the uh the funeral right, it's funeral for a friend with the whole burial of Superman and the literally saying goodbye to him. It's a a very emotional roller, you know, ride, not a rollercoaster. It's all downhill at this point. I think it was one of, you know, short of, you know, crisis. One of the biggest longest arcs of the, the up until that time right I mean I don't think anything went longer than this and when you factor in the return it goes even longer but the, there was definitely a sabbatical of at least two months or so where they didn't publish any Superman titles where they came out with something like a poster book and something I think it was uh, uh Supergirl Team Luthor
1: Right, right.
0: I think there was a th- Requiem for a Friend, something like that, where it was basically the world moving on without him, and it w- wasn't action comics or adventures or uh, Superman or Man of Steel. I think it was maybe two to three months, and then they hit you with the return. I wasn't as hot for the return as for the death, to be honest with you. And I wasn't so thrilled with <laughs> with the way he returned with the long long hair. Look, I don't like to change the character at all. I wasn't happy when they took the trunks away for a while, so the right. long hair wasn't my thing but uh the death story was a a major event, and uh when viewed in the whole scope of things i uh, I think it was a success. Of storytelling. Though I do think you're right. Having some well-known character would have been better because I, I personally have never been a big fan of Doomsday. Do you also remember there was a lot of theories of at the time or whatever that this was some fallout from
1: Panic in the
0: Sky? No. I don't
1: remember that. I remember Panic in the Sky. There was... <laughs> something that
0: ended at Panic in the Sky were like a sphere or something is left behind. Oh, OK. And I don't think they ever picked it up, whatever it was supposed to be. Gosh, and I, I remember I, a, there'd be some theory that Doomsday had some tie into this, which was completely wrong.
1: Right. Out. it would have been a, an interesting way to go because I, I mean I haven't read that story since it was new coming out. But
0: another thing we have to go back to.
1: <laughs> See, I I liked where I think it was was it during the the return of Superman story where. Doomsday, I want to say it was the cyborg Superman, like, threw him off into space or something?
0: Yes. he ties him to uh, an asteroid or something,
1: yeah. and he's laughing in space. Yeah, I always thought, okay, that should be it. That that should be the end, because, you know, my my understanding, and I could be wrong about this, but I thought I had read it somewhere from, like, Mike Carlin or somebody said that their intent from the very beginning was that he was going to be a complete mystery. He was going to come in out of nowhere he was going to do this deed. He was going to die in battle with Superman, and then we'd never see him again. And I think I'd be able to stomach the whole thing a little bit better if if that had been how it ended up playing out. But of course, you know, they, you know, he became popular. So what do they got to do? They got to bring him back and bring him back and bring him back. And no. Next time you see him, he'll be able to speak properly. Yeah, yeah, they did that too at some point. He gained intelligence and I mean so here, you know, he's he's pretty scary. You know, love love him or hate him, he's he's scary as you know, a, a monster that can hurt Superman, and Superman really can't do much of anything to him. I mean, until that big blow at the end where basically Superman puts all his remaining energy into one punch and finally manages to to take him out. You know, he he's been just a completely unstoppable force. And then you fast forward, you know, several years down the road of, of that character's popularity and and all his return appearances. And there was a story, I forget where it was. I want to say it was in Superman, Batman, you know the the team up book yes where they're on paradise island and there's like a whole army of doomsday's and batman is fighting doomsday i'm like what so i mean no you know no where's the consistency there <laughs> you know if he could kill superman I'm pretty sure, you know, Batman is not going to be able to go toe to toe with this guy in in any, you know. So there's there's just that ridiculousness factor, you know. At Maybe that he
0: point. had a can of Doomsday repellent.
1: I guess. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where you know a, a character can start out whatever, you know, cool. I guess. I mean, I never thought he was all that cool, but. You know, there there are characters. They can start out cool, and then just because of overexposure and overuse, they just they end up getting watered down to a point of like, what's what's the point anymore?
0: Well, he's like a he's like a travel-sized version of Godzilla. You know what I mean? An unstoppable, <laughs> right? But he's right. but he's travel sized
1: <laughs> I like that travel size. That's funny. Well, um, I didn't have any really any other like specific notes on this one, and unless you do. We can uh, we can go ahead and do grades on this if you want. I think we should move on to grades. All right. Well, cover. Now I'm looking at the deluxe one, which is just the tombstone cover. But I mean, I, I like the covers on both. They're they're both iconic for for what they are. And I know that I have seen the Tattered Cape cover homaged. So I, I guess it has become iconic. But, you know, that said, you know, it's not like there's a it's a terribly like dynamic or artsy type of cover or anything like that. It just kind of, you know, forebodes what's what's going to happen, you know, in the in the story or whatever. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to grade on that angle. But I, I guess I'll go ahead and say an A. I mean. They they do the job, you know, they, they tell you what's happening in, you know, or going to happen in the book. Interior art on this is really tricky because I do, frankly, think it's a little all over the place. There are some absolutely fantastic pages and there are some that are that are kind of wonky. Overall, I really do like it, but you know, it's just a little bit of wonk here and there. Some some of the faces are kind of odd, and I'm not sure what's what's up with that. It's like the character models are a little fluid from time to time. But overall, Superman generally looks pretty awesome in most of this. Uh, I'm not real crazy about the face he's making on uh, on page eight with the you know where he's charging into battle again. His his eyes just I don't know he looks a little funny right there.
0: There's a couple of pages where he looks slightly off.
1: Yeah. yeah, and Lois on that page too looks a little a little strange. So yeah, it's I don't know, it, it's a, it's inconsistent I'll, I will say in the art. It, it's uh it's nothing that's that, that's uh horrible or anything. Uh, it's just. It's not what I've come to expect from uh, from Jurgens, but that said, the sequences that really work work, you know, very very well. Uh, I do really love the opening splash page, you know, of them locked in battle and all. And the colors are really good too. Superman is colored very well through the whole issue. Some of the other colors um, sometimes are frankly a little bit distracting you know, in the use of color, but uh when it works, it works well. And Superman uh the coloring on him it always looks very good. I like the kind of metallic sheen that uh is often given to his, his shield um in the early part of the book. So I don't know. Uh overall great on the art, interior art. Um I'm going to say a B plus. I wish I could figure out where the problem in the art is for me because i really don't i think it's a a a combination of factors i I think some of the pencils may be a little bit weird in a couple places i uh, definitely the ink i think the inking is inconsistent to a point where i almost wonder if it is breeding on every single page you know because in particular i'm looking at the page i don't see a page number but the page where superman and Doomsday are exchanging the blow in front of the Daily Planet and all the windows are shattering.
0: I have that open right now. Can I just say one thing that I just noticed? What's that? When you see all the windows breaking, there's a guy all the way in the background saying, they hit each other so hard the windows are shattering. (laughs) You needed someone else to go, thanks, Captain Obvious. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I couldn't control myself. (laughs)
1: you look at the inking is it just me i just i look at the the pencils and inks there and then you flip the page and it it, it's almost like it's not the same team they may have filled in yeah i'm yeah i'm I'm wondering if there's something going on there with that and again the colors sometimes it's a little distra it's a little bright and I don't know. It, it goes back and forth because some of it's very bright, but then the page with Mon Pa Kent, um, wow, it's like really dark and kind of weird looking on that one. So I don't know. Um, story wise, this is a really tough issue to grade because it's not much of a story. It's it's a piece of a larger narrative, mm-hmm. so that's the tough part. It's exciting. And it is sad in what happens, but is it is it sad in the story? I mean, it doesn't make me feel the same way that Superman one forty nine that we just looked at make makes me feel. So I, I you know, on a story level, it, it it just it it does what it does, but I don't know that I necessarily feel anything at the end of this one. I, I was kind of surprised what, what you were saying that. You know, that it kind of chokes you up or what? I feel like it should, but it, it it doesn't. And I'm trying to remember how I felt about it at the time. Like when I read it brand spanking new for the first time, did it choke me up? Did it make me sad? And I, I can't remember. I think more of anything, it was just a feeling of... Well, let's, you know, what's going to happen now type of, and that's still kind of how I feel, you know, looking at this is like, I'm thinking about all this stuff that comes later as opposed to taking the moment here to go, wow, you know, they did it. He's dead because I didn't believe it then. And I know it now. So, you know what I mean? Whereas with, again, that prior issue, you know, 149, you know, okay, he he's dead, and there's impact to that whole story that I don't know I find kind of lacking with this one. So I think story-wise, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go a, a B on the story as well, and I think I'm being very generous with that cuz again, the, there's there's not a lot to it, especially when the whole thing is told in splash pages. It doesn't leave you a lot of room for for anything really you know for character develop it's it's a series of splash pages of a fight so yeah um overall grade for the book i will say i will say a b overall
0: i can literally say ditto <laughs> <laughs> i was ticking them off as you were going through yep, yep i got the same i'm the same they for me, it's just like I said, my sensitivity to that that ending panel is what does it for me. For me, it's it's very sad. The remini- for me, it's the reminiscence of September 11th with the wreckage all over.
1: Right, right.
0: As I'm reading this, for what there is to read, I can hear the sirens in my head in the background. And, you know, that last scene with Lois, hang on, the paramedics will be here any second. And then, of course, knowing what comes in the next issue where they try and shock him back. Right. It's just, uh, eh. you know, it's like you spent your whole life with this character, you know, like, like it's a real person. Do you know what I mean? Right. And just see, he's dead, and to go in such a violent, devastating way. But I agree with your assessment on the story.
1: I and I like this iteration of Superman. You know, this uh, this incarnation of him. Oh, absolutely! Know, this has
0: become for me the best version.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: And, and I came into the uh, whole reboot after Crisis. You know, like I wasn't thrilled with it because I, you know, I was still stuck in the, the silver the silver age. But I, this is the superior Superman in my opinion. Send me, all yeah, eight
1: now. <laughs> no, I, I got your back. I'm I'm right there. Um... And I think it was fantastic to keep the Kents alive.
0: I love the concept of him being able to go home and speak to them. Right. Nobody going out into a tornado.
1: <laughs> well, I think that wraps us up for this time. I think so. I enjoyed this very much. This was fun. We need to we need to do more stories like this. Well, I, I like the idea of, of Picking something from pre-crisis and something from post-crisis and doing kind of a, a compare and contrast, I, th- I think that's an interesting uh, interesting dynamic. Definitely,
0: and hopefully there's some folks who never read, you know, I doubt I doubt they didn't read the new death of Superman, but th- that they haven't read the old one and maybe they'll give that a shot.
1: I hope so. I hope so. I, I love when we when we hear from the listeners that. You know, we, we turn them on to something that they weren't previously aware of, and you know, especially when they enjoy it too. Because I, I have had instances where, you know, I told them about, or you know, mentioned something, and they went and checked it. And they were like, "Well, oh, I, I checked that out because you said and it sucked." <laughs> so yeah, so it's very satisfying when you know they find something that we talked about, and they're like, "Hey, I checked that out, and it was, you know, I really enjoyed it." So yeah, hopefully, excellent. All right, well, that does it for this time. Thank you for listening. Uh, send, us your, uh, send us your feedback. Let us know what you thought about this particular one. Remember, uh, you know, remember the Facebook group. Remember the email. Uh, let us hear from you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiMonzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the TwoTrueFreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.